0: Today's show is all about one of my first and most influential teachers and mentors in community radio, so I'm really glad you're here for it. Thanks for listening to and supporting independent media. This is Choose to be Curious, a show all about curiosity. We talk about research and theory, but mostly it's conversations about how curiosity shows up in work and life. I'm your host, Lynn Borden. Welcome. Come, choose to be curious with us. Act one, scene one. A reception area. Three figures mill around the front desk, their relationship to one another unclear. One huddles over a binder of some sort, looking puzzled. One is organizing the desktop. The third nurses a morning coffee. Dust motes drift in the light that comes through the narrow windows. Somewhere, a radio plays softly. That's how I imagine a filmmaker might set the scene for an unexpectedly pivotal moment in my life. I had just landed a show on WERALP, the then newly launched low-power FM community radio station where I live in Arlington, Virginia. I had no experience with audio, radio, production, editing, nothing, but I was an eager learner, improbably on the cusp of being on the air. I had Big ambitions, and like many newbies, I had no earthly idea just exactly how big they were. I wanted to open my first show with reveille from the local Joint Base Meyer Henderson Hall. That shouldn't be so hard, right? That was me pouring over the volunteer binder, trying to figure out what I needed to do to get someone, anyone, to help me out. Jackie Stephen, then director of community programs, had reeled me into this radio thing in the first place. We're launching a station, she said. We want new content, she said. Come join us, she said. It'll be fun. In our little scene, she's the one organizing the desktop.
1: I fear that.
0: <laughs> Jackie, I asked, how do I find someone to help me with field recording? Jackie glanced up. Antonio, she said cocking her head at the third figure, who gazed over the top of his cup with a look of what I might describe as tolerant caution. Antonio, let me introduce you to Lynn Borden. A mentorship and friendship were born. I did indeed succeed in persuading Antonio, not just some random volunteer, by the way, but an experienced staff instructor, to join me at O Dark Hundred to record Reveille, plus caissons, the changing of the guard at the Tomb of the Unknown Soldiers, the Old Guard Fife and Drum Corps, and howitzers. Later, he'd be with me at the National Zoo, the Farmer's Market, chasing bell towers, on walking tours with radical pedestrians. And in between, he edited and then taught me to edit my episodes, sharing both his expertise and his passion for the craft. I learned a lot, and not just about Pro Tools. But Antonio Fioranga had a life as a filmmaker that remained largely a mystery to me. Until, that is, I showed up for a recent screening of U2, a short narrative film he'd been working on through a good portion of the pandemic. I'd seen some pictures on social media and knew it somehow involved a talking fish, but I honestly had no idea what it was about. It turned out to be clever, funny, and irreverent in all the ways I might have expected. Also, as expected, his cast and fellow crew were excited about the product, but even more about the process. They'd had fun, they'd learned a lot, they felt valued and seen. Antonio, the teacher, was still very much a thing. <laughs> Filmmaker, musician, composer, sound engineer, teacher. Antonio Viranga has a little bit of everything going on. I told him I wanted to be his first stop on the media tour, accompanying his film's release. And so here we are. Welcome, Antonio. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Uh, I, I have to make two corrections uh, okay. to, your, to your intro. Uh, and, and, you know, this could... You could keep this in the show if you want, but you said you imagined uh, how how a filmmaker will retell the, our origin story. I might say that's how a playwright uh, will imagine
0: it. Oh, okay. Act okay. one,
1: scene one is definitely, definitely a playwright thing. It's
0: definitely a playwright thing. Okay. I, I, so I, how would a, a filmmaker A filmmaker
1: will have been interior, uh, a community media center, day. Uh, okay. And then the description of the scene.
0: See, <laughs> see, I am still learning. Yes. See, okay. And the okay. other
1: correction is that, yes, we succeeded in recording Revelry, a recording of it.
0: <laughs> no, they played it for us live. Oh, right.
1: That's right.
0: They taught, we we yes. would have had okay. a recording.
1: I, I stand corrected. Had yes. we
0: missed the yes. recording that Dubai. didn't play. right. But do you remember it was like specifically at our request? Yes, absolutely. And neither of them could even remember the last time they had played it.
1: Exactly. Yes. So, okay. So my correction has been corrected.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So you now officially have a sense of what the dynamic is for Antonio. (laughs) So I just saw that Mm -hmm. your film, "You 2 has just been picked up by your first film festival is Correct. that right yes so yes. that seems really cool
1: it, it is very cool uh, you know as as you rightly explained it's it's a interesting film <laughs> to uh, to put it mildly you know there's no deep meaning to any of it it's just it's a story about a talking fish and it's very silly and it's <laughs> you know entertaining we made it and we saw the result and, and we enjoyed it. Uh-huh. But it's always a question as to uh, are people who are not involved in the making of the film going to enjoy it? And so it's, you know, it, it's, it's validation that at least one festival director <laughs> <laughs> uh, enjoy the film enough to, uh, to program it in, in their film festival. So.
0: Okay, so the quick description of this film is that it's about a talking fish, which, by the way, is... Mm-hmm. sort of true. It is. <laughs> it involves a talking fish. It involves a talking fish. I don't know if it's about fish. a talking fish. It is fish. not about a talking fish. But no. well, what's a quick description of it as a learning experience? I mean, the film was fun. Mm-hmm. But for me, what was even more fun that night was just watching the dynamic yes. with the team. And and that's what I wanted to hear about. Yeah,
1: I, it, yeah it's funny because to me, the, the, the real magic of the film is when you watch the behind the scenes video that we also showed during that screen right Right. because not only do you see the process but you see the interaction the dynamics the you know let's try this let's try that oh we said we were going to do it this way but yeah that's not working mm-hmm. i feel like in process was about an exercise yeah. about how do you make a film and let's let's have fun. let's let's do something.
0: I kept thinking of Matt Cronin and his book, The Craft of Creativity, mm-hmm. that creativity only happens when it's built on this foundation of craft, which is about building the mm-hmm. the muscle memory, the equipment, fluency, all of those things mm-hmm. in order to then get creative and and right. kind of make the magic happen. And one of the things that he talks about is that creativity comes from a perspective change. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I thought was fun in the film is that there is there is this perspective change. There's sort of this alter ego. I won't... I, I won't <laughs> no spoilers. No spoilers. No spoilers. <laughs> but I was thinking of it, too, through your role as the filmmaker mm-hmm. and the change of perspective that you have... You know, in the production process and the viewing process, as sort of yeah. the the mentor, and then also as a as a member of the cast, and just talk to me about sort of how all those different parts it, fit together. It, it, it
1: is, it, yeah, it is an interesting dynamic because one of the reasons why I thought this film was good was because I could take myself out of those, take those hats off, uh-huh. and view the film and enjoy it. Uh huh. If we, you know you know from editing your show that when you're editing something you listen to it over uh, and over and over, over and again. over and over. Um, by the end of this production, we were affectionately calling the fish something that I cannot say on radio, <laughs> and and so it's tedious. It's it's a lot of work, and you and you see the same thing over and over and over again. And even after all of that. I was still watching the cuts and laughing and enjoying the film.
0: Now, I have to say that I thought some little birdies said that a certain film instructor of theirs had said they should never edit their own (laughs) work. Uh,
1: You are not the first person who has uh, (laughs) mentioned that. Uh, At least two of my former students uh, threw threw my words back (laughs) at me uh, during the screening. Uh, Yes, I am a firm believer that a director, at least a director should not edit. Uh You you should have at least an extra set of eyes. Uh, This project was unique uh, in the sense that the editing required a lot of intricate, not special effects, but animations and mixing of things that were shot at different times. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I could have spent the time uh, working with an editor. And in fact, I was going to. there was I had an editor lined up. That person ended up having some family issues that prevented them from yeah. editing the film. And so the film actually sat and edited for several months. Uh-huh. A- another kind of happy accident that wasn't very happy is that uh, in July of last year, I got COVID. And when I was forced to have downtime, uh <laughs> I decided this is the Just time. It's like a
0: busman's holiday. The filmmaker's uh, idea of yeah, downtime is yeah, editing. This is the time
1: when I can really <laughs> sit down and dedicate time to nothing but this film. Uh huh. Uh huh. So well, I have I to
0: say, I you know, I'm not a filmmaker. I don't even play one on radio. <laughs> but but all of that editing works mm-hmm. really well. You know, it's I, to a novice. I, I was
1: happy with the result, yeah. obviously because I did it, I. I Every second of the film, I'm picking out a mistake that I made. Yeah, uh, well. and so it's kind of hard to watch in that sense, but mm-hmm. it's also enjoyable because the, the result, even in spite of those mistakes, I think was was a very enjoyable.
0: So, so that's a great segue, actually. I mean, this is a this is a show about curiosity, mm-hmm. right? So, how does it show up in in filmmaking? Oh,
1: in filmmaking is the ultimate exercise in curiosity.
0: Because?
1: Because you start from nothing. You start from nothing. You have maybe an idea of what you want to make. And then that nothing turns into a script.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: By sheer curiosity of what could I make? I have an idea for a story. How could I put that into filmmaking terms?
0: Uh
1: And that becomes a script. Then you have a script. And now it's all about the curiosity of, how do we bring it to life? And that's and it's the beauty about filmmaking. And you know me, I'm 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 not a people person. <laughs> but I love the collaboration in the filmmaking process.
0: You're listening to Choose to Be Curious, conversations about curiosity in work and life. I'm your host, Lynn Borton, and I'm joined today by my teacher and mentor, Antonio Villaronga. We're talking about curiosity in his filmmaking and teaching.
1: But uh, like I said, then you, you have a script you want to bring it to life, and when you start bringing other people, especially the actors, yeah, you you, ha- you have a concept in your head of what that script might look like, and the actors read it and they might take a completely different direction from it. And I I know there are some filmmakers that you know like their ideas to be brought to life exactly as they had uh-huh. it in their head. I'm uh-huh. not that kind of filmmaker. Uh-huh. I I I want to be surprised. I, I want that curiosity to you know, to explore, to maybe, you know I interpreted this line one way, and the actor is going to interpret it a different way. Let's go with that. Let's see if it works.
0: So that's really interesting because then you're you're kind of counting on your your actors to bring their own curiosity to it about like, well, what is this doing for me? Is there a conversation that we need to have about this? Or am I, again, it's another question of change of perspective, right? And
1: and a good actor will will ask really good questions. And and these Mm -hmm. young actors who were both seniors in, in college at the time we filmed this and they have since graduated, like something as simple as, uh, there's a scene when they first meet at a pizza place, and they ask even the simplest question as is, where are we in time when we're shooting this? Do we pretend the pandemic never existed? Are we post pandemic? Oh, are we. Yeah. A simple question like that can really, like, it comes out of curiosity and it kind of opens up all kinds of different possibilities as to how they might play that role.
0: I mean, they're making all those. Decisions right. about like, what's the temperature in the space? Sure. What's the yeah. the smell of the room? And, That's and, interesting.
1: And they are doing that. Obviously, they're checking in with me to make right. sure that because you know the role of the directors to have the complete vision of right. where this thing is going. Because if you know the, the actor is going to go completely over to left field and and they're going to be all on their own over there, it's not going to work. That's not going to work, right? And so they are checking in and making sure that. The interpretations that they are making are in line with my vision, and if they're mm-hmm. not, that's a conversation that happens. Mm-hmm. Perhaps it didn't happen in this film because you know there's there's not too many ways you can interpret a talking <laughs> fish, but there's but there's still you know th- there's curiosity, and and it's not just the actors. I mean, it, how how you shoot it, how you frame it, you know, talking with with my cinematographer about what was going to be in the shot. Mm-hmm. That's that's another mm-hmm. act of curiosity, like. Mm-hmm. What's the best way to portray what we need to portray?
0: So that's an interesting part of the collaborative process too, Mm -hmm. right? Because if people are coming at this with their different hats on, Mm -hmm. their different perspectives, literal and figurative, and and in terms of their roles and responsibilities, I would think that you all would need to be really curious about one another's perceptions of those things in order to knit the whole thing together absolutely. so the whole the whole collaborative process is a curiosity driven process
1: absolutely yeah, yeah. That, that's why i said the whole filmmaking process yeah. is just an exercise in curiosity
0: and what about for the audience
1: it has to be because you sit there and you you, you, you know not, not to, what's not going to, on with the talking well pitch? but you know not to get all <laughs> forrest gump or anything but you don't know what you're gonna get you know right you might have an idea like you walk in you saw the poster.
0: Right, I had absolutely no idea. Right, so what you, I was yeah, and that's into. you know, you
1: walk in, you sit down to watch the film, right, and it's it's the curiosity. Of, so, what is this thing about? Mm-hmm. I have, I've been teased with little bits of information,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but I don't know. And then, what happens to me when I watch films is the more information I started learning about the story, then my curiosity started going as to mm-hmm. where is it going? Is it going to go this way or is it going to go that way? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so when the filmmaker can surprise you, I guess, and and maybe go in a way or in a direction that you perhaps were not thinking that it might go, That I think that's those are the best surprises.
0: Well, and then it's sort of a fun, you know, as an audience member, it's just sort of fun to sort of speculate. Sure. on Like, you know, you get curious about sort of the backstory. Yeah of the filmmaking and how why'd they make that decision and how did they end up with that? Right. And again, no spoilers. Um, <laughs> so that's kind of fun. And this was a, a kind of a joint production with people who were, if not actively your students, previously your students who yes. described themselves as still very much on a learning curve. yeah in all uh, absolutely
1: I think that's one of the things that makes me the proudest about this film in particular. And I think most of the recent things that I have done is that, I think all but one of the entire cast and crew of that film uh, were former students, Mm -hmm. including a teenager who had been the first person who took, or a person who took the first class that I had taught in person post-pandemic. Wow. And what will then turn out to be the last class I taught. So And he was in high school at the time. Well, Like his mom had to drive him to the shoot locations, you know?
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, as a teacher, how much do you count on your students' curiosity?
1: A lot. Because uh, as you might imagine, I don't invite every student I ever get to participate in one of my productions. That would be (laughs) a, a little crazy. But there are always things you notice about, a student that make you think this person might be good at this, or mm-hmm. at the very least they have the curiosity to want to learn. Mm-hmm. I think almost every member of, of my crew I can remember how they were in class and what led me to believe that they might be good at doing this or that.
0: Mm. And that's that's kind of all cool.
1: curiosity. that's all it's all in the questions they
0: ask, yeah, yeah. So do you have what I would describe as curiosity practices, ways that you cultivate curiosity, encourage, nurture curiosity for yourself, for other people, as a filmmaker, as a teacher?
1: i I don't know that I do it consciously.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, but I think if 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 I sit down and like analyze
0: mm-hmm.
1: how I go about doing things, the the, I think they're all there because you can't do what I do without being curious and in order to be a a good curious person you have to cultivate that curiosity (laughs) and so yeah like I said I I don't think I do it consciously I don't sit down and say okay I'm going to uh, be curious right now
0: I hadn't even thought about this but I will say that I have a very clear memory of struggling with a sound production question mm-hmm. and and asking you for some guidance on it. And your first thing was to ask me sort of what I knew, right? Which is a kind of a curiosity practice sort of mm-hmm. directed at your student in terms of, okay, well, tap in, what have you got? Identify your own holes and then sort of help find it. And I'll just say in this one instance, you said to me, he goes, I think you're thinking of, dem- of sound in a two-dimensional you know, way. You should be thinking of it in three dimensions. And I was like, are you kidding? I'm thinking of it in one dimension. And it was such a great light bulb because I've been mean, going back to the whole perspective thing. Yeah. Like it totally changed how I understood this thing that I was trying to get my hands around. So, I, I mean, I just see that as a mm-hmm. as a curiosity practice for you as a yeah. teacher.
1: And I think... More more than that, I think to me it's it's about respect. Mm. Because I I hope I I was never a condescending teacher, because mm. I those are the kinds of teachers that I hated when I was being taught things. And so I always ask that question because I I want to know where you are, because one I don't want to waste time telling you things you already know. Yeah. Um But I also don't want to start the explanation in a place that you are never going to understand because you're not quite there yet. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, it's a good one. It's a good one. (laughs) Before I let you go, you've watched me do this like a hundred times. It's time for the big jar wannabe analogy. I was was
1: not prepared for this.
0: (laughs) I think I told you we were doing this. Yes. I tell everybody. We're doing uh, I mean, this. I, I
1: still sure have known, but it's it's, it's still. Okay. You
0: know. All right. You know the drill. I have my big jar. All right. All right. I'm going to take my. Oh, I can actually have you take your own I out know. here. There you go. And why don't you take one out for the audience as well? Uh, the deal is we're going to make an analogy to curiosity with whatever is on our slip of paper. I hope it's a good one. So, I hope it's a good one. <laughs> so um, you want to go first or you want me to go? Uh, you go first. Okay. Mine is rush hour. <laughs> I was curious like rush hour, oh man. Um okay. Uh, curiosity is like rush hour because like rush hour, it sometimes comes at you in this very you know, jammed up way and there's there's it's a lot of traffic and there's a lot of movement and there's a lot that you're trying to keep track of and it can feel sort of pressured. But like rush hour as well, I think curiosity is an energy that moves many of us to work. And I mean that not in the employment sense, but like in a, like a human functional sense, mm-hmm. but also to create in the way that you do. So that's how I, that's how I'm going to say, curious, it's like rush hour.
1: That's a, the most positive view of rush hour I have ever heard. <laughs> well, you know heard. me, you know,
0: always a positive spin. <laughs> okay, so what do you have? So
1: this is something that happens very frequently when uh, English is not your first language. I have no idea what this means. <laughs>
0: Whittling—I don't Mm -hmm. even know if it's spelled correctly. Um, That's uh, like carving, small carving, whittle with a knife and a small piece of wood. Oh, uh, that's—that's too easy. That's too easy. (laughs) Uh, Well, then go with it. Never say it's too easy.
1: Okay. Well, if I am understanding whittling this word correctly, uh, that's that's essentially what curiosity is. You start carving out little pieces, and it's your curiosity then that leads you to what that carving will reveal.
0: Ah, oh, nice, nice. Not bad for somebody who didn't know what that know. word was. <laughs> Pretty good. Okay, and here, you can tell what's... what's what. Hopefully I know this
1: word. <laughs> for the audience, the analogy is to raincoat.
0: Raincoat. How is curiosity like a raincoat? Hmm. Let us know. Have fun with that one. On the socials, hashtag analogy. Well, Antonio... Thank you so much for this for everything. For the hour we spent figuring out my sound <laughs> issues before we even sat down to do this. It's it's been great. Thank you. It's
1: uh, it feels uh weird to be on this side of the microphone, but I if if there was anyone that I was going to do it <laughs> for it would be you. <laughs> Thank you.
0: You've been listening to Choose to be Curious. You can find this and all my previous episodes on my website at choosetobecurious.com. I hope you'll follow me there and on the socials at Choose to be Curious. Don't forget to send us your raincoat analogy, hashtag analogy. Many thanks to my guest and dear friend Antonio Villaronga. Links to his new short film YouTube, and other work on my website. Our theme music is by Sean Ballack, and this is Curio by Vacant Distillery via Blue Dot Sessions. Before you go, here's that early morning visit to Joint Base Meyer Henderson Hall. Until next time, choose to be curious. If you served in the military, or married into the military, or grew up in the military, then Reveille has been a part of your day for a long time. And if you live near a place many of us still call for admire behind the wrought iron fence along Route 50, then you've likely heard the signature bugle call as well. I'm a morning person, so I don't mind a crack of dawn summons. And sometimes, if the windows are open and the wind is just right, I can hear it from my home. And I've always been curious about this morning ritual. I know reveille means wake up in French, but that's pretty much it which is how I found myself at Hatfield Gate at 0600 recently. Only the day I went, they didn't play Reveille. Turns out they don't always. And not only that, but Reveille isn't played live on any base in the country. So you could make a case for me skipping this inquiry altogether, or just downloading an audio clip and calling it a day. But if I'd done that... I wouldn't have been on Joint Base-Meyer-Henderson Hall when they hitched up the horses and the first caissons of the morning rolled out, and I wouldn't have heard the presidential salute battery or the changing of the guard at the Tomb of the Unknown Soldiers. And I wouldn't have found myself, with a little help from a public affairs officer, into the practice rooms of the United States Army Old Guard Fife and Drum Corps, talking about, well, fifes and drums, and how they were used in battle and now in ceremony. And I wouldn't have met Staff Sergeants Frankie and Newman who've both been playing bugles since they were about 11. And I wouldn't have had the chance to hear a real Bugler play Reveille live. <laughs>